0: The Weekly Wrap is The Week in News and what's coming up, I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. We've got rich guys in cowboy hats today, Claire, and we've got some big, big business moves.
1: Yeah, so Sam Altman sacking and return as CEO of OpenAI, wasn't that a
0: big story this week? And I can't wait to talk about it. But first, we talk about that hostage release announcement and some background on Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. The most clicked link out of the Squiz Today newsletter this week was to a profile in Vogue, Claire, US Vogue? Yes. About Jeff Bezos and his wife to be Lauren Sanchez. The link was about the criticism of them donning cowboy hats for their photo shoot. Well, Jeff Bezos particularly. Did, did she wear one? Like, kind of cool. Yeah, she
1: was very much in this. They were in Texas like at their ranch in Texas. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, pretty full on Western kind of theme. Mm-hmm. Um, Bezos because he's got a really sort of shiny head, looks quite interesting in a cowboy hat.
0: (laughs) Interesting being good. Look, I don't mind. Look, HD or like wear whatever you want. When you're Jeff Bezos, you can wear what you want. He's the richest man in the entire world. He split with his wife sensationally a few years ago. He left Amazon, the company he founded. He's joined the space race, Claire. The woman he was said to be having an affair with when he split from his wife is Lauren Sanchez. Mm, Exactly. Isn't that very saucy? (laughs) (laughs)
1: uh, She is now, of course, his fiancée. She's a former entertainment reporter. Um, the interview is just dripping with their lifestyle and wealth. Oh, and It's a whole other
0: level. It's a whole other level. Like every single word in it has money mm. written all over it. Everything from the designers she's considering for her wedding dress to the fact they both fly helicopters as mm. a hobby. To talk of conquering space, it's otherworldly is how I would put the way that they live. It's worth a read. Yeah, it is. There's one particular
1: scene where he decides to make the margaritas and he doesn't have the salt and out of nowhere comes <laughs> the salt fairy. It just appears.
0: <laughs> oh boy, $170 billion is what he's worth. Mm. So that puts it in perspective. We'll put a link to that article in your episode notes, though we know many of you have actually already read it. <laughs> Let's move into the biggest story of the week. No surprises that it's a conflict in the Middle East and that four-day pause in fighting that's been negotiated. It's a story that kicked off with a report in the Washington Post on
1: Sunday. I was doing the news run on Sunday into Monday and that As popped you do, up Claire. and it was like, okay, this is going to be a thing this week. Um, it was announced on Wednesday, kicked in on Thursday into Friday. Under the Deal, Hamas will release 50 of the hostages taken from Israel on the 7th of October, and Israel will release 150 Palestinian prisoners. That truce took weeks to reach. It was mediated by Qatar and
0: Egypt and agreed by Israel, Hamas, and the United States. That's the nuts and bolts of what we're dealing with there. Of course, this is phase one of hostage releases. There's more than 50 hostages, obviously, still with Hamas. So this is just the start. We'll come back to Qatar because I'm sure many listeners are wondering. Like I was when I got into this about their role in all of it. Let's start though with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. He's been under a lot of pressure and it's complicated, but the political scene in Israel has been complex for quite a while. We did a shortcut on Benjamin Netanyahu in 2019. He was rolled as Prime Minister. Oh, there was a election after election. Yeah. Yeah. He's been leading though um, since then a far right government. He's been actually in power on and off, but in power for. 16 16 16 years, years, yeah. Yeah. Many say it's the most religious and hardline in Israel's history. And before the 7th of October, he
1: was on trial for corruption. There were big protests against him over changes that his government wanted to make to the way the judiciary runs. Um, He wanted more control over appointments and decision-making. And given the situation in Gaza, the domestic political problems have largely been put aside, but Netanyahu's leadership is definitely still in focus.
0: There's a very... Very long read uh, in The Guardian this week. It's been doing the rounds of our office and friends have been sending it to me. It's worth sitting down and digesting. We'll put a link to it in your episode notes. It gives really helpful background about Netanyahu. It helps understand the situation a little bit better. His base, and in a way we'll try and summarise it, I guess, are the religious traditionalists in Israel – Conservative Jews, Claire. He's staunchly secular, though. He doesn't keep kosher, which means he doesn't observe the strict set of dietary rules in Judaism. It's an interesting and important observation because it's easy to assume this fight is Judaism versus Islam. Yeah, exactly right. But from
1: Netanyahu's side, his views about the Israeli state are more nationalistic than religious. Mm. It's just a good distinction to understand because it is easy to assume what it's all about. But Mm. over the years that he's been in power, he has pressed that agenda, that Israeli agenda over the Palestinian territories over and over again. Yeah,
0: on that, one thing that's angered many Israelis is that he hasn't taken any responsibility or personal responsibility for what occurred on the 7th of October. There are those who say that Netanyahu and his governments have created the conditions for conflict. As the nation's longest serving leader, he failed to effectively deal with Hamas. That's the accusation. And Kate,
1: this is where we're going to circle back to Qatar. Here we go. (laughs) So Qatar is a nation that's on the other side of the Arabian Peninsula. Um, But Qatar's carved out this really interesting role for itself in the region as a friend of the West. It's a staunch ally of America, Mm. um, but it's kept very close ties with radical groups, including Hamas. And during this period, Qatar has provided hundreds of millions of dollars to Hamas in Gaza. This is over the last few years. Mm. Um, Qatar says that it's aid, that they're trying to help Palestinians, but the money has arguably helped Hamas transform its army and many
0: in Israel blame Netanyahu for allowing that to happen. Yeah, Netanyahu and his supporters though aren't shouldering that blame at all. They say the sole purpose of Hamas is to destroy the state of Israel and more broadly in the region, it's true that Many Arabs have never genuinely accepted the presence of Israel, and that's the other part to all of this. We're going to talk about Saudi Arabia now, who are in the middle geographically of Qatar and Israel. Netanyahu was about to sign an agreement with Saudi Arabia on normalising relations.
1: Yeah, and in the middle diplomatically as well. So Some analysts have talked about that as a huge advance in relations in the region if that's to happen. Mm. Um, Certainly, analysts talk about Netanyahu going around the Palestinians by making peace with their Arab allies. And Mm. certainly in the early days of this conflict, that advance, that discussion between Israel and Saudi Arabia was talked about one of the reasons why Hamas might have struck at this time, that it really didn't want this big, rich Arab supporter like Saudi Arabia having these really strong diplomatic ties to
0: Israel. And then I guess on the other side, people saying that what that would have done is put the cause of the Palestinian people back. And this is where this tension is. That agreement still might happen, Claire. So that's still on the table. But in Israel, there are questions about Netanyahu's leadership. Last week, a big commercial TV broadcaster released a poll showing he's got just 25% support as best PM. (laughs) Small poll, and of course we always
1: take the polls with the grain of salt, Kate, but it did make headlines. And in past wars, the Israeli Prime Minister has had a popularity boost. But as we've talked about, Netanyahu's got a lot of political baggage, even before we get to the conflict with Hamas. Um, As for two names to be aware of in Israeli politics, Benny Gantz and Yar Lapid.
0: Yeah, so Gantz is the leader of the National Unity Alliance. We'd actually joined with Netanyahu and his government and made a wartime government under under Netanyahu so who mm. leads that after those seventh of October attacks as Phil appeared his party rejected and offered to join that wartime government also he's now referred Claire widely as the opposition leader in most reporting you'll see on this yeah exactly and he's got some reasonable
1: numbers in the parliament. So uh, yeah, when it comes to exactly how this all plays out for Netanyahu, um, both of those guys, Gantz and Lapid, have strong ties to the defence
0: forces. Mm. They're just two names to really have on your radar. Have those on your radar. And over the coming days, of course, we'll see how the hostage and prisoner swap goes. Claire, this segment is titled Big Business Moves. It's a really short title. thought you'd be proud of me. I don't know. I quite like your long, rambling,
1: (laughs) unwieldy
0: titles for segments. Well, this one's nice and punchy. (laughs) Um, But before we do that, Big thing to happen this week. The Cricket World Cup win, how good was it? Oh, so good. The
1: other thing I'm excited about is the prospect of a parade through our CBDs. Is that's that happening? What, well, it's what's happened in the past, True. so it seems only fitting. Um, but as you're going to mention, the first opportunity is in Perth and that's not for a couple of weeks. So well, then we get into summer and it's all difficult.
0: Yeah, and it's like the moment's gone. Mm. The moment has passed mm. because... The Aussie cricket team, well, the men's cricket team, are back at it. A five match series against India is being played between now and early December. Epic. It seems really unfair. Because <laughs> the
1: World Cup itself went on for weeks.
0: Yeah, yeah. And weeks now they have to keep weeks. going. We're and then in-
1: they have to play all summer here in the Test series. I mean, they're different players. Some of them, not all of them, are in the one-day team and the test team. But yeah, I don't know.
0: Don't hmm. feel too sorry for them. Well, true.
1: They do. They earn pretty good
0: money, and <laughs> yeah, they just yeah. won
1: the World Cup. So anyway, yeah. Well done. Anyway,
0: we were really <laughs> pleased to see that. That was really good. Um, From cricket to dangerous humanity-threatening AI, though. <laughs> Let's do that. That's an interesting segue, isn't it? Um, yeah, the
1: dangerous humanity-threatening AI. That's a quote about what some people think about what OpenAI is working on. Mm. It's one take on why they dumped the board there, dumped Sam Altman as the CEO this week. Um that saw five days of chaos. There's that been was a headlines
0: headline. galore Yeah, that was a headline this. I saw and I think it summed it up well because by the end of the week he was back in the job, Claire. Yeah, and Alex and I did a shortcut
1: on Sam Altman this week. It's a really good lesson, I think. I really quite like doing that one. I know Alex did too because he's a bit of a tech head. Mm. Um, the guy at the centre of all of this, um, he's a really interesting guy as a doomsday prepper as well True. as someone who does think
0: about existential threats quite deeply. Um Give it a listen. I reckon it's a good one. Yeah, it goes through the history and how we got to where we are now with OpenAI. The reason we're talking about this again is this is a really big story, and this is technology that is changing the world. All pervasive, exactly. So um, we'll go into it a bit. Probably the most important part about this story is the corporate structure of OpenAI. Mm. Let's talk about that. I love talking about
1: governance. Okay, let's go. Um, It started as a not-for-profit. Parts of it is kind of still not for profit, although we'll see what shakes out now that they've got a new board because the new board will actually shape the mission of the company. Mm. Um, Its mission was about – this sort of fear of the potential of AI. So forming a company that would be open and transparent and honest and open source, so they're actually putting their products out in the open for free for Mm. people to look at and stare into. Um, In their words, they wanted to use AI in a way that benefits all humanity.
0: Yeah, and this is why if Sam Altman is familiar to you, you might have got to know him when he spoke at a congressional hearing earlier in the year and really pled with the government to regulate the AI industry. He was front and centre of all of that. Back to corporate governments though, the board was made up of just six people. So Altman, co-founder Greg Brockman and four others. The others all being people with experience and interest in the moral complications of AI. It was those people though that rolled Altman. Yeah. And it's- Pretty complicated.
1: Like it's just so interesting to dive into the reads about this because these are people who are are really interesting in and of their own right. We still don't really know what went on, although there have been murmurings about concerns that Altman was really pushing ahead with products the board thought were dangerous and also not communicating too clearly to the board about it and then also pushing ahead with commercialising too quickly before understanding the ramifications, hence going to Congress and asking for the government to regulate this space. Mm. There's a lot still to shake out. But the extraordinary thing is that he lost support of the board, but not his investors who really see commercial opportunities in all of this.
0: Yeah. And the majority of staff lined up behind him. We'll talk about that in a minute. So the CEO of Microsoft is who we're talking about, Satya Nadella. We talked about OpenAI being not-for-profit, but a few years ago, Elon Musk walked away from his involvement with OpenAI. He's got his fingers in everything, Mm -hmm. Claire. He was involved in this. He's not anymore, and with it went his money. In order to keep going, OpenAI took on investment. Microsoft, for its part, has given them like $13 billion over a period of time. Well, invested, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, When Altman was sacked, they very quickly, like within hours, said – okay, you can have a job over here (laughs) with Microsoft setting up a new AI. Yeah, and your whole team setting up a new AI venture. Um, In the course of the following days, 700 staff lined up behind Altman and said, we'll follow him. When you look at what's happened with Optus, which we'll get into in a second, I don't I
1: don't remember seeing staff taking to the foyer, that passion- protesting. No, yeah, yeah, that passionately. <laughs> yeah, they really, really have this sort of cult around Altman um, as the
0: leader of that company. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's a big win for Microsoft as well as there's now talk they'll get a seat on the board, something despite all their investment they haven't had. They haven't had that much influence as far as OpenAI goes until now. To your point earlier, there's a new interim board. It has a different flavour to the previous one. Very commercially
1: focused. These mm. are people who are more in that commercial end of technology and big technology too. Um, we're talking about Salesforce co-CEO Brett Taylor, uh, former US Treasury Secretary Larry Summers. He's a bit of a legend when it mm. comes to economics and investment in this space. Um, CORA CEO Adam DeAngelo. he was actually on the board originally. He's the one who has stayed on. Gone Helen Toner Tasha McCauley And Ilya Suskeva, he's a bit of a legend
0: when it comes to AI. He is like the brains behind it. He's the chief scientist. He's like that nerdy guy that's developing all of this stuff. And a sort of co-founder with Altman as well. Exactly. Helen Tonaclair, she's an Aussie. I didn't know that. Yeah, she's an Aussie. She's an academic. Um, There'd been reports that her and Altman were bickering over a paper she'd written that he saw to be too critical of open AI. Tasha McCauley as well, an entrepreneur, probably important to note that her and Tona share the tag of being effective altruists, which is an intellectual movement that has warned of the risks that AI could pose to humanity. So that's got real Sam Bankman-free vibes. Very much so. That's
1: exactly where he was at. I don't know at this junction of AI... Do you want the people who are really worried about what it can do to humanity or do you want the people who can commercialise it?
0: Well, this is the question. The commentary has now turned to that contrast in leadership, much more business heavy, more board and company experience. No women, Claire. <laughs> Which if you read about Silicon Valley, seems par for the course, really. <laughs> and I mean, this is interim. So they will, they have talked about appointing more board members and we'll see how that all shakes out over the coming days, weeks, months. Let's move on, though. As we have to return home, there's plenty going on in Aussie business too. You mentioned Kelly Bayer Rosmarin stepping down as CEO of Optus. You took us through the ins and outs of a communication crisis like the one Optus has been through a few weeks ago on the Weekly Wrap. It seemed inevitable.
1: Yeah, this is the part where – I really like the itch that I have around crisis communications. That would be my other life, I think. Would be well, you doing. did it for a bit. I kind of did, yeah, in-house though. Like yeah. to be a roving crisis communications person would be a lot of fun. Or jo- care, no responsibility. Think the, I think the
0: job office might come in.
1: <laughs> well, you can't afford me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and look, as someone sort of talked about, Kate, we were talking about it as well. It's kind of yeah. crazy how these people are all in. Until they're out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so – I'm, like, 100% committed. Yeah. I, like, you know, this is this is the job. <laughs> this is the, – I'm the person to do it until I'm they're not. I'm absolutely committed to
1: staying the course. Yeah. Um, and we could talk for ages about how this stuff goes down with public figures, saying, oh, no, 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 I'm fo- I'm not focusing on myself. I'm doing the thing. Um With companies, it's different to politics because of the stock exchange rules. If you're a listed company, there are certain things that can move the share price. Uh, There are rules about what they call materiality. Uh, And whether the CEO is about to jump or be pushed is a very material event. So a shaky CEO
0: is not uh, something
1: that- It can move the share price quite significantly. So you don't have room for non-binary answers. It's either yes or no.
0: Yeah, okay, and what we saw was a very firm yes and then a very firm, firm no. no. Exactly. We also had Hamish McLennan, the embattled, to put it in the news. <laughs> besieged, yes. <laughs> All that, this news language. <laughs> um, chair of Rugby Australia sacked this week. He really wanted to hang on and in defeat he called the directors who ousted him boneheads. <laughs> I love a good slur. I don't know. Like above board slur, bonehead. Isn't this a, what's what is it like humble <laughs> in defeat or whatever? The full quote was, "Look at what these boneheads have done. That they are arrogant and dopey." And I think he said those words in response to news that Harvey Norman had pulled their sponsorship of rugby. For Harvey Norman's part, they say they didn't pull out because of McLennan being sacked, but all of this kind of helped, surely. I wouldn't have thought so.
1: I, I wouldn't have thought that, that the chair going, oh. all of the stuff that they got going on, that it was all leading to a good conclusion for sponsors. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, let's wrap it all up, Kate. So Sweat, which is the fitness app started by Kayla Cenas and her former partner, Toby Pierce, they sold it two years ago. bucks, But I read somewhere $300 I think it's – I'm not actually sure that. Oh, good luck to them. Yeah, well,
0: a a lot of money.
1: Yeah. Okay. They bought it back this week for a fraction of that price.
0: It's pretty wild and all we really know at this point is it wasn't going all that well under the new owner, iFit. I remember when they sold to iFit people going, I wonder how that's going to work. Their equipment – and now they're focusing on bricks and mortar Mm. as well. So, I mean, what she said was that she wants to bring it back to community. It really is like a media company. It's it's an Mm. audience and community-led business. I'll drop an interview with her that she did with the AFR a few months ago. Lauren Sams, our Mm. mate Lauren Sams, did that interview. She talks about the fact that plenty of people wanted her to be the boss, have a team that reports to her. She just wasn't interested. She just wants to train. Yeah, it's good to know what you want in life. Yeah, she's an interesting one. Have a read of that. Coming up this week, we barely survived Black Friday and now we head straight into Cyber Monday. Surely... You caved and bought something. How could you not have? Look, I did. I Yes, bought, I knew it. I bought a shirt dress uh,
1: oh. in my favourite blue okay. colour, yep. um, which will be doing the rounds of the office at some point, no doubt. I really, really, really want to buy a quilted linen bed cover. Oh, yeah. Which is from, I think it's like normal 500 bucks down to about 400 bucks I still I can't bring myself to do it yeah
0: I would like to buy that too but Mm. I was actually lying in bed thinking about this and I thought to myself I think what you're supposed to do with these sales is buy the things that you don't really want to buy like I was thinking like a new pillow you know, like where's the fun in that? Ex- I know, but I think it's that's what you should do. I this think, is like adulting. Oh, okay, so 101, it's really isn't it? But it's, I mean, anyway, uh, that was my thoughts. I haven't actually bought anything because I'm saving up for your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so, be the but first now, time you've ever listened to a instruction from me. <laughs> now so. that I know that I'm allowed, <laughs> here I come. Yeah, Cyber Monday I'd coming love, at I'm, you. Truly, I've got the itchies I'd really love to spend. I oh, know it's it's a lot, isn't it? There's mm. a lot. There's a lot telling you to do that. Um, Michelle Bullock, though, telling you not to do 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 it. And we were going to talk about the RBA and inflation and all of that this week, but we figure it will be the thing to talk about ahead of a potential rates rise next week. Yeah, and we covered it in Squiz today on Friday. We're going to
1: be talking about this quite a bit. There's this real tension between people like you and me wanting to spend and inflation continuing to go up, and we need to bring inflation down, so stop spending.
0: Yeah, so um, we'll leave that one there. Climate might be the thing to talk about next week, though.
1: I, in our surveys recently, and actually in the hello at the Squeeze inbox, mm. we're getting quite a few over, not a lot, but just from time to time, people going, whatever happened to the climate? Like we haven't talked about climate change a whole lot this year. There's been plenty of other things going on. Mm. But it's COP28. It kicks off on Thursday. It's the big United Nations annual climate summit, so it will be back in the news. Um, The all-important delivery of the national statements by those heads of state and governments, that takes place from the 1st to the 2nd of December, so next weekend. Um, There's going to be this sort of world climate. Action Summit part of it, and the Pope's going.
0: Is anyone from Australia going? It's uh, we've got Bowen Chris
1: going? Bowen, I yeah. think. I don't know that they've confirmed that, but certainly that's what they were steering towards. I don't think Anthony Albanese wants another overseas trip.
0: No, but Chris Bowen's the name to know. He is our Climate Change Minister and Climate Change Minister Climate and, change and Energy, Minister and energy yep. exactly. Yep. Um, so you might hear a bit about him next week. The Booker Prize is also announced for all those book lovers out there. Have you read any of the finalists?
1: No. Mm. I used to read all of the finalists before it got to the booker each year. Okay. I'd read the short list, not the long list, but the short list. When you had time. just haven't read. We'll have a Let's look at Let's not go over that again. No. That's boring.
0: Um, it's also International Cake Day. What, I don't know what day it's on. I think it's Tuesday. Um, <laughs> Both Houses of Parliament sit for a week from Monday and the National Innovation Policy Forum is happening in Canberra. When we saw that in the diary, you asked, I wonder what's that all about? I looked it up. And? It's the innovation
1: leads from industry pulling together policymakers and parliamentarians, I think, to convince them about how hard their jobs are. Okay,
0: there we go. That's on in Canberra next week. (laughs) There you go, the wrap of the week. Claire, anyone who has tuned into Squiz today this week can't have missed our partnership with Woolworths Group all about their 2023 regional report. Before we get into it, let's do the Squiz thing and just explain a bit about why companies like Woolworths Group actually pull together reports like this.
1: Well, it's a way to get the organisation to focus on it. It sort of comes down to that old idiom that what gets measured gets done. Mm. Uh, And second, for Woolworths Group, it's so important for their team from the support office in Sydney through to their stores. Regional Australia is really important, uh, along with investors and regulators, and they just want to understand how they work with suppliers, customers, team members, many of whom are in regional Australia. Yeah,
0: their business relies on those relationships. We've been talking about the top line stats throughout the week. So today we wanted to pull out a case study from the report. Yeah, always good to have a tangible
1: example about what it all means. And we've chosen Townsville, Kate, that great... Queensland hub. Mm -hmm. Woolworths Group has 14 stores across Townsville. They employ 1,700 people which accounts for nearly 15% of all the workers in the retail trade in that region and retail is a big deal. It's the fourth largest industry in
0: Townsville. Claire, 55% of those Woolworths Group employees in the Townsville region are women. They also have a distribution centre which has over 70 jobs for highly skilled logistics workers. Yeah and it's important to note that these are highly skilled jobs and it means that
1: those employees are well paid. I think I read in the report that they were 43% above the average income in the area. So by having this workforce based in Townsville,
0: they're likely to
1: inject much of that back into that regional economy. For more case studies like this
0: one and plenty more about the work Woolworths Group does in our region, a link to the report is in your episode notes. Squeeze recommends, Claire. I watched Evacuation. Solid recommendation from you last week. I'm glad you enjoyed that. It is really good. (laughs) In the script, you've just written, thank Thank you. you. No, you wrote that. (laughs) Yes. Hilarious. You wrote that. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, for those who missed it, it's a three-parter, so one more to go. You're not too late to jump on board. Told by the British military about the evacuation of Kabul Airport as the Taliban took hold of Afghanistan. Let's not dwell on previous recommendations, though. I watched this week on the recommendation of a few of our team members, mm. Niaad. It's about Diana Niaad, the first and to date the only person to swim 110 miles, and I'm not sure what that is in kilometers, but a really long way from Cuba <laughs> to the US. Without the use of a shark cage. She was 64. It was her fifth attempt, Claire. She succeeded in doing that in 2013. You haven't watched it yet. Haven't watched it yet. Can't wait. Can't wait. Susie Moroni actually did it with a shark cage and she's an Aussie and that yeah, was the yeah. whole thing.
1: of course. But, yeah, I remember when she did that actually. Yeah, yeah.
0: but um, really, really great movie. Other than that, if you missed the glossy Good Weekend interview with our treasurer, that's worth a read. Yeah, Jim Chalmers. He's a pretty
1: interesting fella, mm. he's a teetotaler. He's a young guy, he's got a young family, lots to do and potentially a rival for our Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, when it comes to the leadership structure. So a good guy to know a bit more about.
0: Yeah, the theme of that interview being that he doesn't do moderation. So to your point about not drinking, he Mm. used to drink Mm. and I like this quote kind of sums it up. I'm always going 100 miles an hour. If I eat a piece of chocolate, I eat a block of chocolate. If I want to work in politics, I want to be the treasurer slash prime minister. (laughs) Slash prime minister, (laughs) yeah. If I want to go for a run, I want to run 20 kilometres. So there you go. That's a summing up of what he said about himself, but we'll pop a link to that in your episode notes as well. Squeeze Press this week is that in two weeks' time, so two Saturdays from now, Weekly Wrap will have
1: a new home. It'll have a new home. It's going to be available on the newly named podcast feed, News Club.
0: Yeah, and the reason we're going to make you go through all the hassle of finding this podcast on another feed is because we're going to be doing more shows, Claire, in 2024, you and I and a few others from the team, and one of those shows will be called News Club. Yeah, and we'll tell you more about that
1: because, you know, just start thinking about it, Squizzes. News Club sounds like a lot of fun, I reckon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We'll tell you more about that over the coming weeks. But all you need to know for now is that from next week, the Weekly Wrap will be available on this news club
0: channel, yeah, and we'll tell you how to go there, how to follow it, all of that. But it's just an early heads up um, that that no one is likes happening. to be
1: surprised at this time of
0: year. Don't, so we'll yeah, make we don't it want easy to shock for you. you too much. Yeah. Exactly. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Weekly Wrap. Your feedback's always welcome. Hello at thesquiz.com.au au or via Spotify if that's where you're listening. If you like the podcast, leave us a review on Apple, and we'll chat to you next Saturday.